Have you or someone you know experienced infertility? Unfortunately, it's a lot more common than people realize. And in my role as a counselor, walking with couples who are going through infertility, I couldn't leave the marriage topic without addressing how infertility affects the marital relationship. And there's no other better person to chat about this than Dr. Christopher Stroud. He's back this week an OBGYN experienced with helping many, many couples walk through the infertility process. And fortunately, he has amazing results for helping couples figure out the root issues of their infertility problems and addressing it with a holistic and faith-based lens. So today, Dr. Stroud and I are going to talk about what we've observed happens in the marriage relationship as couples go through infertility and how to strengthen your relationship if that's a season you're in. Are you in a season where you're longing for more, desiring inner peace, hoping for more authenticity in relationships? Perhaps you're feeling unsettled inside, like you know that God is calling you deeper, higher, and further than you've ever gone before. You are ready for change and it's time for something to shift. But what is it? What's been missing? My name is Amber Todd. I am a Christian counselor, and I believe that you were never meant to live a disconnected, segmented life. You were created for connection, deep, authentic, healing connection. First, within yourself because your mental, physical, and spiritual health is interconnected. This is why I love collaborating with doctors and like-minded holistic practitioners who honor God's design for our whole being to function and operate in harmony. Life Interconnected Podcast is an intentional space you can come to every week to receive encouragement, hope, and a fresh perspective on your internal world so that you better understand your thoughts and emotions and how to live a connected life. Join this movement of mindful believers who desire to grow in our faith and cultivate a holistic approach to health and wellness. Subscribe to the podcast today and share it with your friends. Welcome to Life Interconnected. Welcome back, Dr. Stroud. Well, it's good to be back. It's good to be with you and talking about such uh, important things. Yes. And specifically, you know, we started this conversation around how marital health is impacted in different seasons. And I know you and I both see a lot of couples who struggle with infertility. And so I would love today to hear from you about this idea of how marital health is impacted through the season of infertility. Mm -hmm. And so let's just kind of start with this idea of you know, a couple comes to see you, maybe they're starting to have issues with achieving pregnancy. What do you see in that those early days in their relationship and their curiosity? Yeah, I think maybe I mentioned this uh, in our last conversation, but you know, I try to acknowledge that every couple I meet, I was the last person they ever hoped to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who who thinks of that? when they're when they're planning their wedding and mm-hmm. everything is unicorns and daffodils, they're not thinking we might struggle with fertility. So um, already they come reluctantly. Most mm-hmm. couples have delayed coming longer than they should have, mm-hmm. sometimes through bad advice, sometimes through denial. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty early on in the discussion, I start getting a read on how this couple is accepting this fundamental challenge. Mm-hmm. And and it, it really 
it's worth pointing out, it, it is very fun, fundamental and foundational. Mm-hmm. It calls into question what it means to be married, what it means to be man and woman, husband mm-hmm. and wife. Conversations and 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 topics that most couples really would rather avoid. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean we should avoid them, but mm-hmm. we'd rather. Mm-hmm. And so early on in the interaction, I get a sense of how well or not is this couple going to begin approaching this this mm-hmm. challenge? Right. You mentioned that couple, couples often wait sometimes until mm. later than they should. So just from a practical standpoint, yeah. when should a couple reach out to someone like you to receive support? Yeah. So, you know, there's conventional wisdom is, and a lot of OBGYNs will say, well, go away when you've been trying a year, come back. Mm. That's a waste of a good six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because then it's often even more than a year by the time you get an appointment and see someone but you know what we know statistically is that about 85 percent of couples will achieve pregnancy in three to five good cycles of fertility Mm -hmm. and that's with them being just a little intentional Mm -hmm. nothing Mm high-tech so if it's been that you should be pregnant if you're not it's Mm -hmm. time to start asking some simple questions right but you know, it's a harsh thing to say, time is not the friend of fertility. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. And so uh, every cycle lost is is a, is a lost opportunity. And so sooner rather than later to start asking questions is always better. Right. And to that point, something I want, I want to point out that I've observed in knowing your intention in this practice and valuing life, mm-hmm. that a lot of OBs in the case of loss, wait uh, until there's three to five losses before doing anything. So right. can you explain sort of your your different approach and how we value life in this place? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think of the analogy of, you know, you have small children visiting your pediatrician. And as the visit is coming to an end, you say to your pediatrician, oh, by the way, uh, two of my toddlers died. And imagine if the pediatrician said, well, that's interesting. Gosh, if any more of your kids die, we should probably start asking some questions. Mm. No mother would tolerate that. Mm-mm. Yet that's what OBGYNs tell women every single day across the country. Mm-hmm. So we call recurrent pregnancy loss in this practice one. Mm. And we think that's one too many. Mm-hmm. And if I can start asking some questions and doing some testing now after one loss mm-hmm. that prevents another loss, uh, I'm doing good, you yeah. know. That's that's another child you don't have to wait till heaven to meet, mm-hmm. and um, sooner is better than later. Yes. But unfortunately, that's not a wide, widely held opinion, and it really comes from, as you point out, a position of of life. And mm-hmm. what do you think about life? And mm-hmm. if you think the toddler that died of a pediatric cancer is the same loss as a ten week pregnancy that died in your womb, then the answer is easy. Mm-hmm. One is one too many. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow, that can make me emotional just thinking about that and the the friends that I've seen go through that at other practices who they feel they feel unseen, they feel mm. uh, misunderstood, like their loss is minimalized and and that I know impacts them emotionally and I know it impacts the marriage. And I I believe that you and this practice really represent hope mm. in so many situations where they feel like loss has been um, discounted or discredited. So I just want to say thank you for Mm. your intention and for all of the staff here who value life and see Mm. these couples going through this and they say immediately let's take action. Yeah, it really does come from a position on respect for life Mm -hmm. and and a recognition and respect and understanding 
that that is that you lost a child. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that and I know you've seen this that miscarriage couples struggle with is the world is telling the woman and the couple you're young you'll have another child it's Mm. okay or maybe you have two other healthy children you'll be fine Mm. you'll be pregnant again in no time in other words they're saying you shouldn't feel the way you're feeling right but the woman's heart knows she lost a child Mm -hmm. even if she can't articulate that Mm -hmm. she knows because her body and her heart and her mind are telling her, you lost a child. That's why it hurts. Mm -hmm. So if we can acknowledge that feeling you have is the appropriate feeling. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you lost a 10-year-old. That's that's the appropriate feeling. So go embrace that feeling. Mourn. Allow yourself to go through the normal grievance Mm -hmm. um, process. You'll be better off on the other side, as opposed to denying those feelings, trying Mm -hmm. to understand them. Um, we don't do a, a service at all to women when we set up that contradiction. It's really sad. Yeah. And hearing you explain that and thinking, you know, we often lump together infertility and loss. Mm. It is two unique experiences. And sometimes those still going through infertility may have had a difficult time achieving, but they are yeah. losing baby. Mm. And when I think about grief, I think of two different types of grief. One type is something that you've longed for and never had infertility and another type of grief is something you had that was precious that you lost and both are touched when we talk about this issue so when you're when you're supporting a couple what what are the similarities or differences for a couple who's just solely going through infertility never achieved pregnancy compared to someone who's experienced recurrent loss yeah i mean hearing you articulate the different kinds of grief that really puts it in a great context i think because what i would have said before your answer there is it it's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. But they are different kinds of pain. One is not more intense or less intense than the other. But they are they are different. Mm-hmm. You know, women that have had a successful pregnancy, I do think in general they've got this sense of hope mm-hmm. that maybe the mom who's never been pregnant yeah. sort of can hold on to, or it's difficult, more difficult mm-hmm. for her to hold on to. Mm-hmm. But they are different. At the same time, recurrent pregnancy loss is its own unique sort of world of pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that Mm -hmm. there is this, I had it, it was right there. Mm -hmm. I prayed for this. How Mm -hmm. could you do this to me, God? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to for a moment say it's a a more intense pain than primary infertility, but it is different. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, I think I do tend to see people that are faithful people struggle incredibly with their faith around recurrent loss yeah how right. how could you fist banging on the desk at god mm-hmm. how could you do this to me right because um, i think that's a natural question yeah. when people go through any type of trauma grief or loss we often first want to ask why yeah why god why did you allow this to happen and we wrestle with that because yeah. we have this idea of what our life will look like or like you said on your wedding night you don't picture that infertility would be a part of your of your journey and yet when it becomes a part of your journey you realize you know you have to pivot and adjust and cope with those waves of loss and grief over time and how do you see that affect a couple so i'm i'm sure the (laughs) first meeting you have with them they have a lot of questions or hopeful what does it look like as more time goes on yeah you know um sadly this is a painful journey and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of steps and there's a long evaluation phase and then we implement 
therapy and, and do interventions. Maybe that's surgery, maybe that's medicine, maybe that's both. And sometimes it's slow. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for infertility couples, every menstrual period for a woman is affirmation that this is not working, mm-hmm. or at least in her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not uncommon for me when I see couples back, quite literally, a gap is growing between them. They're, mm-hmm. they're growing apart. Um, and these, you know, the, through natural emotions, some blame, some self loathing, um, some mm-hmm. doubt. I think one of the biggest challenges that I see is it will it will expose examples of really disunity in the couple. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, th- I think about an example when maybe I mention adoption, mm-hmm. and I'll look at the reaction on on the two faces, mm-hmm. and one of them clearly thinks it's a bad idea, mm-hmm. and the other thinks it's a good idea, but looks to the other one as though to say, mm-hmm. see, I told you it was a good idea. Hmm. But you can tell they're not they're not together. They're not lockstep mm-hmm. man and wife. And that that's challenging. Um, it may be the first time in their married life where they've discovered they aren't lockstep on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's tough. That is, can be really, really mm-hmm. hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if the topic of infertility exposes cracks of mm. disunity in the relationship crevasses yes yes <laughs> not even cracks yeah. yeah really really tough if you're not on sound footing before you enter into that discussion of fertility it can be tough to get through mm-hmm. um, i mean if, if i were doing marriage preparation for young couples i would say Let's do some exercises. What if you can't get pregnant? Mm-hmm. You know, what if you decide you want to be pregnant after you all had agreed that you weren't going to? How do you talk about that? Mm-hmm. How do you get through that? How do you ask your spouse if we can't conceive? What are we willing and unwilling to do? Mm-hmm. Where do we draw the ethical lines? Mm-hmm. You know, is in vitro fertilization on the table or off the table? Is traditional adoption or embryo adoption? How do we feel about those things ethically, morally? Those are tough conversations. They're not casual ones. But it would sure be nice to have answers before you find yourself needing answers. Right. When couples are making those hard decisions, and obviously a part of what you do is explaining their options, Mm. and also I think you're really good at gently sharing your your (laughs) conviction and perspective Mm. as a man of faith. What what do you think is important that couples consider as they're making these life changing decisions? You know what do, what do you value? What what are your values? You know how do you feel about these heady weighty topics? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'll often say, do you have an ethical position around things like in vitro fertilization? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes the couples will look at each other as though to say, oh, we never really thought about that. Well, it's time. You, mm-hmm. need, you need to have answers to this. How do you feel about adoption? Mm-hmm. But in many ways, this is no different than the young married couple saying, how are we going to deal with our aging parents? Mm-hmm. How do we deal with you know, my parents when one of them dies? Is the other going to live with us or not? Or what are we going to – you know, these are critical things mm-hmm. that are fundamental to being married Mm-hmm. that you you really need to work on, I would say, before you get married, but yeah. especially before this journey begins. Right. And when when you think about that, these important topics and how couples approach them, you probably observe sort of similar patterns. <laughs> and, you know, one of those that we've talked about is sort of the pattern of blame, you know, is, is mm-hmm. one person at fault and dealing with guilt if it's 
technically one spouse's issue that you're yeah. addressing. So how do you approach that as a doctor? Yeah, that that is um, that's dangerous. You know, it is. And interestingly, not to be too stereotypical or generalizing, but um, generally, I think women are much better at accepting. It may be something about me that is preventing us from getting pregnant. They're better at that than men are. Mm. Men were not so good at realizing maybe we're the issue. Our physiology is mm -hmm. the issue. So that can be a challenge. Uh, I would much rather tell a woman, you have endometriosis and your tubes are destroyed, than I would tell a man, you have a genetic abnormality and you don't have sperm. Mm. Um, the, the first conversation is easier than the second one, mm -hmm. generally, of course. Yeah. Um, those are tough, tough things. But, you know, a, a thing that I try to get back to every with every couple is to say, there's no such thing as one of you having infertility. Mm -hmm. Couples are infertile. Individuals are not. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I try to remind them on, to their wedding of, you know, you didn't say I do, comma, to the extent that you're fertile, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> or to the extent that you remain beautiful and that mm -hmm. or that you're healthy. Mm -hmm. You said I will and sickness and in health, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and you need to be reminded of that in these difficult times. Right. I think that's so important because it takes the shame away. Mm. And I, I think that's really valuable as I work with couples just in general in marriage counseling often they come to me and it's this sentiment of me versus you and we're going to figure out who's right and who's wrong or in this case whose fault it is and who's okay <laughs> right but I think a key breakthrough in, in the marriage counseling process is to get the couple to unite it's the two of us versus this unhealthy pattern or in this case it's the two of us figuring out infertility mm. it's not one person to blame or it's not even the burden of one person to figure out and i know even from talking to patients who chart so like creighton charting for example can be a huge mental load and burden to the female sure so can you talk about that in regards to the responsibility of taking ownership and how can both spouses take equal ownership if it's both of theirs to figure out yeah husbands you need to learn the method you need to be an expert in the method and not cede that to your wife because she doesn't need to carry that burden alone. Mm -hmm. And I think the most healthy couples I see are when the husband is physically participating. Mm -hmm. Maybe he does the, the notation on the chart. Mm -hmm. If they're using a temperature method, maybe he records the temperature, but he's actively involved and knows how to read the signs of fertility mm -hmm. so that it's not incumbent upon the wife to say, you know, don't go bowling with the boys. I'm fertile today. Mm -hmm. uh, she shouldn't have to do that. That's mm -hmm. unfair. Mm -hmm. He should be able to read the signs and understand. Mm -hmm. The same conversation happens for the couple using NFP to avoid pregnancy. Mm -hmm. She should never be in a position where she has to say, no, I'm fertile. Mm -hmm. He should recognize that from, from the signs that they've right. learned together. Right. That creates closeness. Uh, as opposed to creating distance and, mm -hmm. and blame and responsibility. Right. Uh, I think a big challenge, though, for for couples and where men will sometimes struggle to understand is, as I mentioned earlier, every menstrual period that begins is a slap in the face to the woman who wants to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. It was another reminder that I failed again this cycle. Right. Um, and that is really, really tough. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it, it's capitalized on this idea of the cyclical nature of women and how it's this constant monthly reminder of either being fertile or not being fertile and achieving pregnancy or not achieving pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so that 
having your period start um, as a female when your husband is sensitive to all the emotional implications of that yeah i think it's important to recognize it's actually another layer of grief and so if you're trying to achieve pregnancy and then your period starts i mean it's really that window right that two-week window where you're waiting to find out if you if it worked um (laughs) when when her period starts recognizing she may be going through the emotions of grief, which yeah. could be shock, anger, denial, frustration. All well, of those, yeah. I had the surgery. Why didn't it work? Or how long is it going to take? Yeah. Or I've had patients tell me, okay, Dr. Stroud said it's going to be, it could likely be the best chance within this amount of months or this amount of months. Yeah. How do you hold expectations loosely, but also know that it's ultimately not in our hands with the outcome? Yeah, I mean, what you're really saying is, how do how do I deal with maybe disagreeing with God's will? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, to put it in in really theological almost terms, that's that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. You know, most every Christian would say, "Oh, sure, God's will be done." Yeah, I know the mm-hmm. Lord's prayer, right? And that's great and pretty and tidy mm-hmm. until you disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can remember going through our own adoption journey for several years sort of slamming the desk thinking you know what's the problem Mm -hmm. there are five million orphans in the congo we just want to feed two Mm -hmm. why are you in the way Mm -hmm. uh that's not the same as saying whatever your will is i'll go along with it it's a lot harder to do that right it's really i think the deeper spiritual aspect of going through infertility is this idea of surrender Mm -hmm. you know are you surrendered to God's will. Do you really know what that means to surrender? Yeah. It, it's not just this willingness to say, okay, I, I want this to happen. I'm going to, because I, I imagine in the infertility journey when you're doing all the things, I mean, the medications, the shots, the appointments. Sure. Is there an aspect where you see couples start to strive almost as if if they try hard enough and do all the things, it should guarantee this outcome. Yeah, they, and another way I, I think I see that is they want to intellectualize their way through the journey. Mm-hmm. If I just understood more, if I just mm-hmm. read more, uh, if I just did more research, if I took mm-hmm. one more supplement, I yeah. would be fine. And and that's a trap, of course. Um, but also, couples find themselves in direct opposition to sort of secular culture mm-hmm. that says if you want it, you should have it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I find myself needing to say to couples, remember, children are not a right. Because mm-hmm. if they were a right, they'd be property, and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're a gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, not everyone gets the gift. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that, that you and your husband will be pregnant. He doesn't call everyone to biological parenthood. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You have to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the answer may be no. Mm. And no one wants to hear that, and no one wants to say that. Right. Um, I feel a moral obligation to point that out because mm-hmm. it happens to be the truth. Yeah. Um, but that's a painful answer to get. But sometimes the answer to our prayer is no. Right. Um, well, that's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. And I imagine, how is that for you being on the other side of the table, giving that news where... Mm. You've done everything you know to do. It's been a certain period of time. At what point as a doctor do you start to say, maybe we need to talk about acceptance or yeah. maybe we need to talk about adoption? Moving on. Yeah. It's very. It's easier for me now than it used to be because uh, of uh, one particular really, really amazing patient of mine, when I was sharing the bad news with her, her tubes had been destroyed, and I was fumbling with the words, and obviously I was struggling, you know, she and her amazing womanhood 
was worried about me <laughs> more than her. And she was saying, that's amazing. You had the opportunity to explain to me God's will for my life in no uncertain terms. Hmm. And she said, isn't that incredible that you get to do that? Hmm. And then ever since then, I've, I've tried to think of it in those terms. And I've noticed when I give people what I think is horrible news, a lot of times they feel better. Hmm. Because now they don't have to wonder every menstrual period. Yeah. They feel like we got an answer, we're going to close this chapter, and we're going to open a new chapter in maybe a different direction. Yeah. And they can take hope and excitement in the new journey. This journey has mm -hmm. concluded. Um, mm -hmm. That's easier to say than do. I'm right. sure you see that in counseling. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, for for couples that get it, it's empowering. Right. Mm. There is a level I see, especially for couples who come to the infertility support group, there's a level of peace mm. when I feel like they've gone into the acceptance phase. And it's almost like they can exhale and breathe again <laughs> yeah. because all the pressure and all the things that they were doing feels like there's a closure in a sense of that chapter in their lives. And I... I, I notice as well the couples who have been in a season of striving or feeling like it's causing stress in the marital relationship. Sometimes is it okay to take a pause? Mm. Like if they're if it's really um, causing anxiety, stress, overwhelm. Do you see that? Are there yeah. times when you say to couples, "Hey, why don't you take a, a break for a little bit?" Actually, both. Interestingly, I, I like to say, "Remember, we we've got three goals: stay sane, stay married, and achieve pregnancy if it's God's will for your mm -hmm. life." Mm -hmm. They're all three very important. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes those first two, staying sane, staying married, means take a break. Mm -hmm. Sometimes no actually means not now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean no forever. It means no today. Mm -hmm. So take a break, walk away, mm -hmm. focus on self-health mm -hmm. and other things. That can be great. Interestingly, sometimes it's exactly the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And I'll see couples that'll say, well, you know, I know we just had the surgery, but we're going to take six months off and really try to get ready. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, no, bad idea. Time is wasting. Now is the time to push. Yeah, You've just made it. Push now because mm -hmm. you might be successful. Not pushing now may be a decision not to ever be successful. Right. Uh, and it's hard. Those are so radically different, mm -hmm. and, and it can be hard. And that's often where some trust in the relationship comes into play. Mm -hmm. um, do I know you well enough that I can tell you that? And then do you trust me enough to listen to that? Right. Yeah, that is an interesting dynamic. It sounds complicated to know <laughs> when to push. I mean, practically to allow pregnancy to happen from what I know, the limited knowledge I know with something like a surgery for endometriosis, there mm. is a time window, right? Yes. When it's you have the highest probability. Right. And, you know, there is this phenomenon um, th that might be called fatalism mm. that we encounter, I would very commonly, I would say. And that is, well, if God wanted us to be pregnant, we would be pregnant. We shouldn't have to take medicine or have surgery. Hmm. And that's a that's a tough one. You know, um, it, it's tough from from a, a theological perspective, and it's tough from just a relationship perspective mm -hmm. to try to help people reason through that. I mean, certainly, we know that our Creator has uh, has the unlimited ability to do whatever He desires. Um, I also try to remind myself and remind people all of these tools that we have are of God, because if it's been created, it's mm -hmm. of Him. Mm -hmm. And that maybe the answer to your prayer is this medication mm -hmm. or, or this surgery. But people can really struggle and get themselves wrapped up 
on that issue of how far is too far? Right. What's okay? Hmm. And versus should I just step away and let it happen if it's going to and if it doesn't, move on. Right. And I think that's what I appreciate about your approach and this office is that I feel like you take all that into consideration mm. and balance. And I've heard you say this before as I've heard you teach that you view your role to help make a woman whole and help her body be supported to do what it was created to do. And ultimately there's this level of surrender that God is the author of life right. and that we can trust him mm. and know that he works all things together for our good. And mm. sometimes that looks different than what we thought it would be. Right. So often it does. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to share about supporting couples through infertility or, or even how, what kind of support they can receive from what you offer here? Yeah, you, you know, a couple of takeaways, I guess. This is hard. Mm -hmm. This is hard work. Yeah, it's not easy, and it's going to take some work from mm -hmm. both of you uh, as, a, as a couple. You do this together. You're called to this marriage together, not individually. Mm -hmm. So be patient. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. um, you need to have and be willing to have tough conversations about what you feel and what you agree with and disagree with. Mm -hmm. And for those that are around, maybe uh, their children who are struggling with infertility, or maybe if you run a business and you have employees and the women have had miscarriages or struggle with infertility, you know, so many well-intentioned yet ill-informed people say terrible things. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not sure what to say, don't say anything other than, I'm sorry for your pain mm -hmm. and uh, I care about you and I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, to say that from the heart is a lot, and you can never be wrong with right. saying that. Right. Um, I think that's so important, and I wish that we could do a PSA. I think we should <laughs> for family members and friends yeah. of loved ones going through infertility. What you just said is key. The mm. idea of, I call it the ministry of being present. Mm. I'm, I see you. I love you. I'm here for you. I think that speaks volumes, mm. just showing up in their lives in a loving way, rather than what we intuitively want to do is say, well, you know, how's, how's it going? When, 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 yeah. are, you, when are you guys going to have children? And, and just those, those questions that seem so innocent, but that poke and prod on the pain underneath. Mm. Just showing someone that you're with them and you care for them, I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, all the difference in the world. Yes. Well, if you are in a season of seeking support for fertility, if you've been through infertility, if you've had recurrent loss or um, felt unsupported, uh, I want you to know that the Fertility Midwifery Care Center is an amazing place in Fort Wayne and even beyond. I know you also offer telehealth visits. <laughs> so if you're looking for any type of um, support in a team of professionals and doctors who can provide this type of holistic care and guidance, um, we'll link the website and all the information and resources to schedule your first appointment. So thank you, Dr. Shroud, for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Time. Thank you for having me and thank you for all of the amazing work that you do. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you know anyone who is experiencing infertility, please pass this episode along. I know it'll be an encouragement. And even if there are family members or friends of loved ones going through infertility, I think it's helpful to have this insight. I hope you have an amazing day and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me today. I want you to know that God sees you. You are loved, valued, and important. If this podcast helped you, it would mean so much if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and text or post a screenshot with your friends who can join our mindful movement of believers. 
let's live intentionally as God designed life to be interconnected. I'm cheering for you. We are in this together and I look forward to next time.